Network podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the executive director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. I'm uh, back with our founder, Rocky Fleming. Welcome, Rocky. Thank you, Brian. And uh, we've got a got a topic, a few few more that we want to record before we head into a uh, kind of a neat series of going through all the journey topics that we're going to be tackling here pretty soon. Where I'm going to be interviewing some of our board members and staff members about all the different topics in the journey. So right. excited about that. But but Rocky, this morning. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about leadership, you know, and it's pretty uh, kind of a hot thing, right? As far in the podcast world, anyways, to have a leadership podcast, you know, yes. everybody's got a leadership podcast. So I thought influencers should have a leadership podcast, but we got one episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be a little different too from most concepts of leadership. Yeah, yeah, and everybody's got some sort of view on leadership, how to be a better leader, and there's you know, and there's all sorts of courses, idealistic view. Yeah, yeah, and and there's the in the business world and in in the Christian world yeah. both, you know. Yeah. And so so um just as a way to start, I was going to start I I mentioned a quote to you that I heard from another leadership you know, someone else had their leadership sure. theory or whatever. And they said this, and it, this will just get it be a stepping off point, but they said a good leader is someone who disrupts the status quo in order to move people toward advantage. They're always disrupting the status quo to move people toward something, toward a better version of themselves or a better thing for the organization. And they said, if you're not doing that, you're just a manager. You know, you're not you're not a leader. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, that that's a and that was kind of from a secular point of view, maybe right. or whatever. But uh, so let's start there. And I'd like to hear your, your reaction to that. Well, my <laughs> first reaction is uh, I think that it does not just qualify itself as a good leader. It also qualifies itself as a bad leader. OK, yeah. So when you're leading, you can be either leading for good uh, or leading for bad. Right? Good leader or bad leader. True. True. And now so the concept of disruption well, what's the agenda there? I mean, is it the leadership good in trying to develop uh, a mission, a purpose, a direction? Or is it trying to undo, undermine, uh, change things that are not for good? Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you, I could enter into a discussion on political leadership right now and tell you you got both of those. Mm. You got good leaders, you got bad leaders, but they're all doing one thing. They're trying to disrupt status quo. So that would be how I would qualify that. Well, I think just in just to, in the context of this organization, I know that they, they meant it in a positive way, but what they meant is I think that they're, you're trying to push push people, motivate people to be better, you yeah. know, to be stronger. And if everyone just stays status quo, you're not necessarily, but, but it's always about performance. It's always about goals. It's always about being, you know, going further than you think you can go, all those kind of things. Well, you asked me this before and I surprised you, I guess, when I, when you said, give me your reaction, yes or no, uh -huh. you know, and I said, yes. And then I qualified it. I said, because Jesus was that. Yeah. Hey, Jesus disrupted status quo with mm -hmm. the religious 
legalism mm-hmm. and the and the hard rules and regulations that they were imposing on people. They had led people away from God, not to Him. Mm-hmm. They didn't understand the heart of God, and they were trying to tell the people the way God is and what God requires. And when Jesus came there, he didn't he didn't fit their model, mm-hmm. and they became His enemy. Because the things he said and did disrupted their status quo. Mm-hmm. He disrupted the status quo of the money changers mm-hmm. at the temple. He disrupted the status quo of the Pharisees, of the Sadducees, the religious structure. Mm-hmm. He came to fulfill the commandments. He did that. He didn't. He didn't disrupt that. He fulfilled it. But he disrupted that hierarchy that was so opposed to the heart of God. Yeah. And and I think that if we are going to be leaders uh, in our culture that's going to lead people to know the living God and his ways, then it's going to disrupt status quo within the culture. But, you know, that's not been anything new. In 2,000 years, we have never seen uh, Christianity to be that uh, relevant to the culture of the society it's in. And if it is, then it's not actually being uh, the light in darkness that it needs to be. Right, right. It, that can just be a cultural Christianity um, if, if you're not going with the word. You know, biblical, it's different than biblical Christianity. Well, that's one of the biggest problems we see with many churches nowadays that have eroded the truth of of light and darkness and have embraced a lot of darkness within it and calling it social justice or, you know, broader application of grace and various other things that they'll do to try to soften uh, the truth about what God does see is right and wrong. And uh, so whenever that happens, there's going to be a good leadership is going to disrupt that. Hmm. Uh, right. Let me put it this way. Right leadership. Right leadership, as far as Christianity, is going to disrupt status quo. Well, I was thinking about a journey group. When you ask a man or a woman to go through the journey, you're disrupting their status quo. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're saying, all right, we're going to we're gonna spend nine to ten months together. First of all, that's out of their comfort zone. Um, we're going to meet with people. We're going to pr- push you toward God's Word and teach you how to journal and and ask you to have new rhythms in your life for this 10 months. And, but, but it's, and it's not going to be easy. It's going to require discipline. It's going to require hard work, but trust us on the other end of that. You're going to find, you're going to find some new, new revelations Mm -hmm. of your relationship with God and all that. And people have to trust us on that, but it's totally disrupting. You know, it'd be easy just to say, nah, that that's a little too much. I think I'll just go to church on Sundays and have my free time the rest of the week. (laughs) <laughs> well, Brian, over 20 years ago, I, and I, I will defend myself and say I'm not a, a Christian anarchist. Mm-hmm. Okay, I am not. But over 20 years ago, I was not seeing discipleship uh, producing disciples. I really wasn't. I was seeing programs that created discipline in people's lives. But there's something missing in their in their heart and in their connection with Christ. And the reason I saw it is because it was me. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that. And I followed all the, the programs that were out there. 
And, and I was a big church goer, and I've always been that way. I've always been supportive of the church, but there was something missing. And, 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 and in my walk with Christ and, and Him touching me, and when, whenever you get to a point where you consecrate before Him, you say, okay, here I am, Lord. I, whatever you want, I'm yours. I'll, I'll follow you. Use me as you see fit. Well, you don't know what that's going to look like. And in my case, it had to do with introducing a concept of discipleship that was not out there. And that was a process to get people into close proximity with the person of Jesus Christ, mm. not the knowledge of him. Mm -hmm. Knowledge, yes, but you don't stop there. The, the presence and, and the relationship, the intimate relationship with him, and that that had to disrupt status quo, and it did. Mm -hmm. uh, but he affirmed it. He, there was so much fruit that was born through people's lives that, you know, Christians and churches especially who really are into building the kingdom saw it, and, and they came and said, what's happening here? Show us what's happening. And, and that developed in us a, a desire not to try to disrupt churches as much as to help them to help them raise up their leaders within their churches that will be able to lead their church toward that uh, deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Because there's so many benefits to a church when that happens. Mm. So when we take people through the journey and just when people start abiding in Christ, we're seeing now 21 years later that it's creating leaders. Yeah. It's creating leaders within the church, within families, within yeah. communities. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, uh, I was talking to Nate Sweeney today for, with, with uh, breakfast, and we were talking about his church. And he was telling me, you know, gosh, there's so many leaders that are developing this church. I mean, they're not only leaders in his church, but leaders out of his church. And, of course, they've been deeply immersed in a discipleship uh, using the journey through, I mean, for years now. And, and he, he is a discipleship pastor. He's written several books on abiding. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and we are very much a part of the abiding network because we believe in what he's doing. And, uh, and we want to help empower him to be able to help other churches understand the concept of discipleship and what that means. And, and I was telling him today, I said, uh, you know, Nate, uh, your church catalyst is, a, is a, a Petri dish. And he says, well, I like that term. I think I know what you're saying. What does it mean? I said, well, a Petri dish is where you have different experiments with something and you want to, you want to observe it. You want to measure it. You want to see the results of it. Mm -hmm. I said, now, we, the problem with much of the Western church is the Western church is trying to build its church based on metrics. Mm -hmm. And so I have church growth people come in and say, well, if you do this and you do that, you build here, you build there. They're always trying to grow it wide, but not necessarily deep. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that's been a failure, especially with many megachurches. They grow wide, but not deep. And and that doesn't reduce the vulnerability of their congregation. It just makes them excited about being there. Mm -hmm. And And... The thing about a Petri dish church like what we have with Nate is that he has years of, of taking people to that intimate abiding relationship with Christ and the fruit of that, which he promises, 
surfaces in the church. Mm-hmm. And it develops stewards. It develops people that support the church. It develops leadership. It develops enthusiasm. It develops evangelism as those people go out of their churches and they are. It takes them into businesses such as Tyson's, Walmart, and various other places that we've seen a lot of these people go, employees go. And so it it it, it forms leadership. And I've said that all along that. To form the kind of Christian leadership that God can form in life, it requires a culture. Mm-hmm. A culture has got to support the leadership development, and it's not the objective to develop a leader. It's the objective to develop an abider. Mm. Because in, a, in developing an abider, there will be certain leadership gifts that will that will flow to the surface of that life. And it might not be real visible, mm-hmm. like being teachers or or that type of leader. It might be a silent leader, an encourager, mm-hmm. a mentor, somebody who has a gift of mercy, mm-hmm. and they lead with that spiritual gift. It might be somebody who has a gift of helps, and they lead with that spiritual gift. So it's not the classic guy-up-front leader that Christ does creates. Mm-hmm. It's a leader like him who surrendered his deity and his crown and came and became a, a servant of mankind. Mm-hmm. And what he demonstrated to us was contrary to any kind of leadership then and now. Mm-hmm. It was it disrupted the whole concept of what a leader looks like. Mm-hmm. But uh, it does not undermine at all the fruit and the benefit of his leadership or the, the kind of leadership he develops in us. Well, and, and uh, I think most of the secular leadership is more focused on performance and, and metrics and all that kind of stuff. And like you said, the church sometimes tries to adopt those same type of, that type of growth, metrics, you know, numbers, all that. And what, what you're saying, uh, what we're saying is that, yeah, there's a disruption, but it's not about numbers. It's about, it's about impact or, or influence on your culture. You know, God has things. He wants to use each believer to impact their, the people around them or the culture around them. Yeah. And that's what it's more about is, is just, and it may not look the way the world looks at it. It may not, it may be slow. It may not be big. People may never see it, maybe behind the scenes, but it doesn't mean it's not impactful, right? Yeah, true. Uh, the, the fact is, is that, I, th- I think that I think that we have to ask a question sometimes, and that is, you could have a captain who's sailing the ship against the wind, uh-huh. fighting against wind, fighting against wind, fighting against, and getting nowhere, but he's sailing and he's leading, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have another captain that sails with the wind. He follows the wind. He lets the wind blow and fill the sails. Empower the ship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that in this day and time, we have to ask the question, as in the church and in Christianity, are we, are we trying to, f- to flow against the wind? Are we, trying to, are we trying to make this thing go in a direction that is not the direction that God wants to give us? Because I do believe that when we are able to get under his leadership mm-hmm. and under his power, there's less fighting <laughs> going on. It's more of a smoother sailing. Oh, yeah, we could be in a stormy sea. And that's what society is nowadays. Mm-hmm. But we're empowered for the stormy sea. 
Hmm. We have direction. We have guidance. And, and this is where I think that we need to do a better job if we're going to be leaders in the church is to try to sense the, the leadership of the Spirit in our life, to listen to Him, to follow Him. Now, there are a lot of things in this world that's going on, especially in the church, that tells me that there's more of a social conscience that there is a, than there is a God conscience. Mm. There's more of wanting to please people rather than please God. Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to go against the wind right there. And so, you know, I think you keep it simple from the standpoint of knowing him and following him and letting him lead us. We learn to abide with him. And when we learn to abide with him and his word abides in us, then we, we have a sense of his voice to us. And I put voice in quotation marks so people won't say, think that I'm saying, well, I hear him is, you know, a literal voice. But I think there is a voice of the spirit that speaks to our heart. Mm -hmm that flows through the grid of, 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 of his word. And then there's the counsel of other people who are likewise listening to him. And this creates a leadership team. And mm -hmm. this is the other part of good leadership. It's never a dictatorial uh, monarch mm -hmm. that's leading. It's a team leader. It's a team leadership. And you might have a central figure in, in good leadership, but he's always raising up leaders around him mm -hmm. who will understand what we're facing and trying to determine the course that we should take. In Christianity, in the church, that's vitally important. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you this, with influencers, we are a team-led ministry under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And we've emphasized that for 20 years. That's mm -hmm. the way our global boards and our regional boards are positioned. It's the way our staff is positioned. We are a team mm -hmm. under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Well, and I was thinking about what you said at the very beginning. You said Jesus was always disrupting and doing things, you know. So, and I think the Holy Spirit is still doing that today. You know, he disrupts our lives in different ways. You know, it could be trials, could be whatever. Uh, could it be that a leader needs to just pay attention to where is the Holy Spirit disrupting the lives around them that they're leading and try to help those people see that, yeah. see what God's up to, you know, in our own lives, but others as well. Because I think that's how he moves us a little bit is by trial. We talk about that in the journey a lot, that trials and tribulation and things you go through are, are purposeful because God's mm -hmm. moving us, trying to help us get where we need to get. Yeah, and bless us along the way and develop us, too. Yeah, I mean, right. he, he uses trials to develop us. I had a young man that I, I talked to this morning. He's a new dentist. He just finished dental school and just stepped into his practice. And, I mean, he's only two days into it. And he's facing the reality this is no longer school. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to get up and go to work every day and kind of make a living and this, that, and the other. I mean, it's something we all face. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he was discouraged. In fact, he was anxious. And knowing this young man for several years, even praying for him before he went to dental school, I sensed he had that same anxiety. And during his time there, he had some more. And I realized and told him so, that that's his propensity. He's a perfectionist. He tends toward you know, putting too much pressure on himself and how important it is to trust the Lord and let God show himself to be true to him. Mm -hmm. And so this is what we do. We enter into these younger people's lives and we speak the truth as we have experienced it. Mm -hmm. And 
that's how we lead. We serve. It's not trying to get anybody to follow us. And my objective was not to get him to follow me. Hmm. My objective was to help him learn to listen and follow the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what we do as leaders. We disrupt the anxiety that he has. We give him a new point of view. We remind him who he is. He's a child of God. And we get him sailing. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm i thinking about the way it works with me is, you know, the more I spend time with the Lord um, in his word and journaling, he'll prompt me to do things, to action on, on different ideas, creative ideas or whatever. And yeah, I, yeah. I feel like they're from him because I've spent time with him. And, yeah. But then you got to go test it out. But usually what it, it makes other people uncomfortable. Like, like if it involves other people, mm. they're like, well, wait, I didn't hear from the Lord that, you know, but you're feel sure that you did, you know? And, uh, it reminds me of a book, uh, Bruce Wilkinson wrote, uh, called the dream giver. Oh yeah. And, and it's kind of how God will give you a dream. And when you start moving toward it, uh, you reach the border of your comfort zone. And he said, the border bullies show up <laughs> and he said, he said, the border bullies are people usually closest to you who you're making them very uncomfortable by getting out of your comfort zone. You're yeah. getting them out of theirs. And so they almost like resist you, even though God's trying to move you towards something good. Um, so I don't know. There's a dynamic there. And I think you have to be a leader to, to press through all that yeah. and, and keep pressing on with, on with what God has your, yeah. what he prompts. And one day you'll become a border bully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're all guilty of probably being a border bully. Yeah. Because it's making us uncomfortable. Uh -huh. No, but I, I do I understand what he's saying. I want to understand what you're saying. And, and there is, there's going to always be a spirit of discomfort in anything we're challenged in. I mean, good grief. Mm -hmm. Life is challenging. And it never never ceases to be a challenge. But, but, but we learn along the way that we have the, great capability of meeting that challenge mm -hmm. and we don't we're not afraid of it anymore and and i think i think the, the the proximity with with the holy spirit takes away the spirit of timidity mm -hmm. that exists in most of us as we begin life yeah. not everybody starts out just an aggressive guy and mm -hmm. we might look like it Truth is, most of the aggressive guys I've known, including me, were scared as heck mm -hmm. inside and if we didn't want other people to know it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you're always trying to convince yourself, you know, I'm macho up here. I'm, I'm, I'm the man, right? You've always said, fake it till you make it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> and that's what I used to do. But no, then God, God, God said, okay, let's get some truth in here. You are weak mm -hmm. and I am strong. And can you live with that, that when you are weak, that my strength will be your strength if you depend on me that way? And so there was a there was a breaking down and the cascading of the old man that had and the misconceptions about and the whole wrong conceptions of me uh, had to come off. But then he began to rebuild me. Uh, to understand that, yeah, I'm a man that's terribly, terribly flawed and, and desperate for his grace all, all the time. But I'm loved and I'm his son and, and I'm in development and and I will be in development all my life. And I, can I live with that? Because I got to. Mm -hmm. That's truth. But I have found that 
that's a strength, actually. It's not a weakness to admit that you are needy of him and that you are dependent on him. That's not a weakness. Now, so I'm talking to the founder of Influencers Global Ministries, who's yeah. written many, many books that right. have influenced a lot of people. And you're telling me you're still in development. Oh, big time. You haven't arrived yet? What's going on? Man, I, no, because <laughs> I've got more that he's wanting me to do. Uh-huh. And i got to be prepared for it. That's right. And uh, he's building on the past now. Yeah. He's, he's, he's been laying a foundation for many years, Brian, as he does with all of us. <laughs> he's doing that with you. And he, anybody who's listening to this, I will encourage you to tell you, that he is building a foundation under you for something in the future. Yeah, yeah. And um, and as long as we have breath and life, then we have stewardship responsibility to use it. Mm. But I'm excited about what lies ahead, and I don't know what it is. I know there's something out there, somewhere. Mm. And uh, I was telling Nate that today, that uh, I feel like with this heart attack and open heart surgery, the Lord is my shepherd. He made me lie down by... <laughs> In green pastures and besides still water. And I know that to be true. I mean, it's been metaphorically true with me that this period of time has been that force lie down. But there's, uh, there's also a replenishing of a zeal to embrace the mystery of what lies ahead. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is, but I know there's some. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he doesn't, wa- he doesn't waste uh, the gifts that he's given us or, or the time of life, uh, if we're willing to consecrate it for him, say, I'm all yours, just take me, use me as you want. He won't waste it. He will not waste it at all. Well, I, I've been thinking a lot about uh, Joshua, you know, and, and you and I've talked about it, but uh, when Joshua was one of the spies that Moses sent into the promised land, he and Caleb were the ones who said, oh, yeah, we can take them. You know, everyone yeah. else was trembling. The ten, other 10 were trembling. And then fast forward after Moses died, all of a sudden Joshua has a healthy fear yeah. about what's ahead because God's saying, now listen, you need to be strong and courageous. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. You know, So I think he had a more of a mature understanding of fear, and but but he was pressing to the Lord. And then you know, one of the first battles, instead of going and taking them, <laughs> God gave him a really crazy a battle plan. <laughs> yeah, I want you to march around there and oh, b- toot horn. the horns seven days or whatever. Don't do anything but just blow the horns, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And uh, he had to have thought that was a little crazy. I mean, talk about trusting the Lord with a plan that seems so crazy. Um, and then, of course, the walls fell down. God did all the yeah. battling that needed to be done. You know, Brian, I, I would hate to be him coming back and announcing the battle plan that God had given oh, me. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because there's a reason why that the generation of faithless people died off. Hmm. Because what uh, what was birthed was a, was a <clears throat> nation and a generation of faith. Hmm. And so they didn't argue with him. Mm-hmm. They follow their leader. That's right. Because he was following his leader. Yeah. And by the way, his leader was not Moses. You see, Moses didn't die. Moses was taken out mm-hmm. and taken into the wilderness. And he died eventually, but we don't know what happened to him. Right. We just know that he saw them entering into the promised land. I mean, he couldn't enter it himself. But from Joshua's standpoint, it was all about learning to listen to God. With anticipation and kind of like what you just said about just not knowing what the future holds, but just trusting him and yeah. and uh, and he might disrupt our thinking or our perspective with some 
new ideas like this kind of battle plan, you know, yeah. or whatever. We don't know. But uh, it all comes back to abiding. It does. I think if we abide in Christ, he'll make us the leaders. But we just have to trust him. He's the leader. We're just following him. And it will disrupt uh, a lot of stuff when we follow him. Mm-hmm. And and that's okay because it, it will lead to good change. But it's not about us doing it. I mean, we, we're not the disruptors. It's it's He is the one. We just follow him. But honestly, the society that we have right now is going to be opposed mm-hmm. to what we represent. I mean, it's developing strongly against Christianity and against people of faith. Yeah. Well, to tie it, a little bow on the end of this deal. I like what you just said. He's the disruptor. Mm-hmm. It's not our job to go disrupt people and you know mess with people and all that, so we can prove we're a good leader. You know, I think. But but if he's disrupting things, we want to join him in his disruption. You know, yeah. and, and and try to keep pointing people to him. You know, and and not let them get discouraged in in the midst of it all. You know, I I, I will tell you this that I I have not seen myself as a leader as much as I've seen myself as simply a messenger. Yeah. And, and, and I think it has a lot to do with the perspective of who he is and who I am. And I do know this, that there's a, there's a reason why God gave us the name influencers. I mean, it was, influencer is used a lot nowadays. All you have to look at, I mean, they're using that term for YouTube people and mm-hmm. TikTok people and True. everything. Influencers is very, very vogue. 20 years ago, it was not vogue. Mm-hmm. It was not used hardly at all. And uh, and we saw it as not only a, the name of this ministry, who we are, but what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we are influencers, but what we do is we influence. Mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of leadership we have is we influence. We influence people toward proximity with Christ. Mm-hmm. And there they find what they're longing for. And we do that because we have found it. Mm-hmm. And we know that we are under his influence as we influence. In fact, that was one of, one of the things that I had in the first book is being under the influence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what we strive to be, is under the influence that's right. of God. All right. Well, I think our time is up, Rocky, but I thought that was some good thoughts about leadership. And uh, I think uh, that'll get some people thinking a little bit out there. But uh, thank you, Rocky. Um, So uh, just as I started out talking about uh, in a few weeks, we're going to be going through uh, a podcast series about the journey and all the key points of the journey that we go through over a nine month. And and I'm just going to be inviting our people that are leaders, like our board members, the global board, also our staff members to be my guest to talk about different key elements of the journey. I think it'll be interesting for those who, uh, who love the journey. So anyway, uh, be looking for that in a few weeks. But uh, uh, this is the Influencers Network podcast, and uh, you can find uh, more of our broadcasts over on our website, influencers.org, or anywhere you watch your or listen to your podcasts on Spotify or Apple or Google or wherever you listen to that. So my name is Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, and uh, I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.
with me